Tokusatsu, taking the form of many shows including Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, and Metal Heroes. And today, a group of fans come together to review it for you as Toku Secrets. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 60 of the Toku Secrets podcast presented by AnimeSecrets.org. I am your host, Nathan Desaw. And today is a big day um, for the Tokusatsu community. A lot of things have happened. Uh, we just did a newscast over one big event. But the other big event is that as of this date, September 29th of 2022, where we are recording this, Power Rangers Dino Fury's second season has officially aired, been released to the public. Uh, we did review um, the first couple of episodes of that in a previous video, uh, where we did have a spoiler uh, disclaimer at the beginning. But uh, today, uh, we are going to be doing all of the episodes that we haven't covered yet, which would be roughly seven episodes. Um, and of course, when I say we, I mean that I got uh, most of the crew here. So I go ahead and say hey to the audience real quick, guys. Hey, audience, it's Rizwan, and I am excited as hell for Dino Fury Talk tonight. Hey, guys, Anthony here. Dino Fury Key, activate. Late to Morphin Grid. Nice. So to give a brief uh, review on, uh, on the major things that happened in Dino Fury uh, when we left off, uh, for those that either uh, didn't watch our video or might have been felt less inclined to watch due to spoilers, um, the big thing that happened was that we got a series of episodes um, where... Uh, above everything else, you know, there were multiple episodes, but uh, we got one episode where the Rangers battled against a monster who was actually the nephew of, uh, I think he was the nephew, um, but he was related to Lokar, um, a villain from, uh, from uh, Mighty Morphin, like Mighty Morphin Season 1. Um, we got another episode where, uh, and then we got a two-parter where he returned, um, and the Rangers had to battle against him, and he was, you know, he brought back Scrozzle from Beast Morphers, and the Rangers had to travel to Rafcon while they were chasing Lord Zed, and Rafcon was destroyed in the middle of that episode. And, uh, but about everything, uh, they imprisoned Lord Zed into some crystal, well, they didn't do it, actually. They got assisted by one of the Morphin Masters, Morphin, uh, Master Green, and Lord Zed was imprisoned, and that's how everything ended. Oh, and uh, Ollie and uh, Amelia are now dating. A little bit of a minor note there. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to where we are now. We're pretty much caught up. So uh, we're going to uh, go over most of the episodes here. Uh, so we got a couple of, uh, as is par for the course with a show like this, we get a couple of... Uh, Fillers. Um, episode 16 is your basic filler. Uh, what happens is that a monster creates these charms that grant people wishes, and uh, people who uh, try to make wishes with the charms get curses. Um, so in the case of uh, uh, Mukish, she gets turned into a human. Um, Ollie makes a wish that he wants to simply give his mom who is in Japan a hug and then he gets turned into a Blue Ranger toy. Uh, 
it's literally a toy. Sale now! Um, <laughs> uh, Hobby, who's currently putting together a music video, makes a wish that he will have, that, he, that his music video will get a million views. Um, but unfortunately, since Izzy was holding his charm toy, she gets the negative effect, so she gets turned into a little miniature version of Zato's T-Rex Zord. Because, I guess, there was a Ryu Soldier episode where the Tyrannosaurus Zord gets shrunken down, and they, they're trying to look, find a funny way to use an excuse to use that footage. Oh, let me get a brief, uh, brief um, thing with that. So, in Ryu Soldier... Uh, the T-Rex Zord actually can, can be uh, it's turned to major size a lot in the show. So oh. he's like the only one that you'll see like in his mini in that miniature form right there. It's like a, it's like a classic thing they do in that in that series. That might yeah, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Amelia wishes that she can see her parents, which is a bit of foreshadowing, but we're not going to spoil anything yet. Um, and she gets turned into a, into her preteen years. And uh, long story short, uh, Zato, um, Zato, Ion, and Javi defeat the monster and save the day with Izzy helping them as the uh, T Rex champions. Or uh, nothing major there. Uh, episode seventeen is a filler episode, but it's an Izzy filler episode, so you know it's going to be awesome. We stand uh, Izzy. Izzy is the best. Cannot be, it cannot be disputed. So to cut a long story short, uh, Izzy and Fern, that's her girlfriend, they both, uh, they both get offered play, they both get offered spots in an elite uh, college program for sports. And uh, Izzy, of course, turns it down because she's a ranger. Uh, Fern finds out that Izzy was hiding this from her, and she thinks about. Uh, ending their relationship because she can't trust Izzy. But then once, but then uh, at one point when uh, Izzy is helping Fern and her dad from uh, a monster while she's still morphed as the Green Ranger, uh, she, uh, um, Fern confesses to Izzy without realizing that it's Izzy, that she loves Izzy. And in the... What was that? I said yay. Yeah. And ultimately, uh, after the Rangers save the day and stop the monster, um, although there's a little bit of foreshadowing here because uh, Void Queen and Void King want to use this drill that um, Javi and Izzy's father use for, um, you know, for uh, purposes. They kind of want to use that in order to enter Dino Hinge, in order to steal the Sporex. And in this episode, they try to steal the key. And they do, but it ends up not working. But that's foreshadowing for what's going to happen next. Um, they save the monster. Uh, Izzy reveals to Fern that she's a ranger in a very creative way. Uh, like, good job, writers, how they kind of reveal how, uh, how Fern pieces the puzzle together to find out Izzy's the Green Ranger. And... Uh, they confess their love for each other, and then uh, she goes off to college while Izzy stays behind. Fern says, may the power protect you, and yeah, that episode ends on a pretty emotional moment. Pretty good, though, I'm not gonna lie. That, 
legit had tears. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I le- I legit had tears in my eyes. I was like, wow, like that was really well well written for those characters. Honestly, and I've given this a lot of thought since I watched the episode. I had tears in my eyes too. And the last time I had that kind of heartstring pull by Power Rangers was probably Kendrick's dying in Lost Galaxy. Yeah. I, I, can't, think of, I can't think of anything since that was that powerful. Or at least powerful to me, you know? Like, maybe y'all have something else, but I, I cannot think of a single thing that, that had that kind of impact. There might have been a few. I just can't think I'm going to talk my head right now. I mean, I've given it a lot of thought, and I can't think of a single thing that was that powerful to me, at least. The stuff with uh, Time Force, uh, that there were a couple couple scenes in in that series that just made me go, "Wow!" Like that's it's hit me in the feels. Okay, I'll give you that. Time Force definitely had some stuff at the end that was definitely feelsy. I will give you that. However, I it's it, it just says a lot about the franchise that for us to find an example of something similar to this. We're going back to the uh, Saban era. Not Neo-Saban, not Disney, Saban. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff in the Disney and the Neo-Saban era, but, well, okay, there's nothing in the Neo-Saban era. Let's not lie to ourselves here. Um, the, the closest thing I had to, like, an emotional thing with anything after Saban was... Seeing all of the Ranger teams appear to help Super Mega Force at the end for Legendary Battles. But that wasn't like a tear in the eye kind of thing. That was just a, hell yeah, let's go, let's go, party time. But this is, this is different. This is like a, it pulled your heartstrings and it kind of made you just kind of sad, you know? Yep. So... Different type of emotion. I'll, I'll give it that. You know, that, and I think that's where I'll end that one. Okay, so moving on. Um, episode 18, it's another filler episode um, where Ollie is, where Ollie and uh, Amelia are planning a date night to go to some haunted hotel, and Ollie isn't talking with his mom as often as he used to because he's enjoying spending time with Amelia and he ends up kind of screwing up some research that he was supposed to do for his mom. And uh, he sends Ion instead of him to Japan to uh, help them with, uh, to help them with some research on a certain subject matter. Uh, We get um, Japan comes under attack by another Sporex beast, which is based on a yokai. The Rangers defeated and Ollie apologizes to his mom and everything ends on a pretty pretty decent note uh not really much to note about the episode i don't like how ollie lashes out at his mom especially since his mom is like probably one of the most loving people in this series so yeah way to kind of bog your down your character development a little bit buddy well okay so i knew you were gonna say that and i've been seeing a lot of this 
back and forth Ollie being crappy for doing what he did. Hot garbage. He is hot garbage for being mean to his mom. No doubt about it. Yeah. But we're all overlooking the huge character development step he did take. Indeed. If, if this was season one, Ollie, like episode one, season one, and he was dating Amelia, and they were discussing a haunted house, he wouldn't be all excited about, you know, going to the hotel and getting room service and just having fun with his girlfriend and, you know... I understand. Maybe something's going on. He'd be all about trying to prove that this doesn't exist. It's all mirrors and smoke, and it, there's it's all garbage, basically. He didn't do that. He's encouraging Amelia. He's he's changed. He's accepting of other people's ideas more. So while he devolved his relationship with his mother, he evolved his tolerance to other people's ideas. Yeah. I can see what you're saying there. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I mean, totally hot garbage for the way he treated Dr. Arcana, because that lady is a saint. But, yeah, I did. Yeah. Did you want to give any comments, Anthony? Um, but, well, like I said, I understand. Oh, wait, here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I totally get why Ollie was, you know, just trying to throw aside all that stuff, you know, dealing with his mom or whatever and the work and stuff, because he's trying to get his thing on with his girl. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him. I want the same thing. But at the same time, he shouldn't be talking about talking to his mom like any kind of way like that. I know if it was my mom, she would. <laughs> you would get that yeah, she, she would give me uppercut. Not even gonna lie to you, like she would give me uppercut. Yeah, that'd so. be bad. Yeah. Anthony's mother does Hadouken super. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, honestly, like he he really did kind of irritate me at that point. But I I get I don't hate Ollie. I just kind of wish like he should have just handled things a little bit better in this episode. That's all. Now, I, will, I will say, this episode, at least to me, I, I, I'm kind of guessing you guys will have a different opinion to me on this, just given our past conversation. But Ion generally amused me in this episode. He wasn't annoying. He wasn't full of himself. He was just hungry, and he wanted to try new food. And that was something refreshing to me, that his character was not grating on my nerves for you know, in this episode at all. And quite frankly, he's been kind of gravitating in that direction for a little bit. But this is the first time I can really point to you and say, Ion isn't bugging me right now. No, I kind of agree. I don't think he was too irritating this time. Like, he was sent to Japan to help the mother, and he did his best. He Going back to our last episode that regarded Power Rangers, I think it was 58, Mm -hmm. uh, the civilian more fights and all that. This was a good example of a civilian fight. Ion went head-to-head with a monster at a week for a good bit unmorphed. Mm -hmm. So to all y'all out there complaining about no civilian fights, bruh, we have civilian fights. It's a thing. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's exactly like how uh, Simon said. They do civilian fights when it makes sense to the story and it progresses stuff. And I think this and another scene that I'll, we'll get to later really drives that home. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So that's what I had for all of this. And now we move on to what can be kind of considered the part finale of the show. Um, so finale, if you really want to get technical. Oh yeah, right. Um, Unless you're not counting bad vibes as part of like the finale, I don't know what you're doing there. Well, okay, all right. Um, anyway, so uh, in the next episode, nineteen. Um, what happens here, it's kind of a filler episode, but it does kind of start the finale. Um, so Izzy and Javi are put under mind control by a monster um, to help them get the passcode from their father to activate the drill. Um, they pretty much, and to cut a long story short, they turn against the Rangers and... They give the access code to Void King and Void Queen, and they use the drill to break into Dino Hinge, the Ranger's base, and they steal the Sporex Beast. Um, well, no, 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 not the Sporex Beast, just the Sporex. Uh, the Rangers defeat Nulli, who was one of the uh, generals in this uh, season. I'm sorry that we haven't uh, mentioned all the generals by name this season, guys. Um, but yeah, the episode ends on a cliffhanger as the Sporex have all been stolen. This then leads us to uh, the um, to the next episode, episode 20, where... Okay, sorry, I, I missed one episode. So yeah, we're, we're in a four-part uh, finale. Sorry about that, guys. Um, okay, now, now I understand what happened. <laughs> yeah. I was a little confused there. Cool. Carry on. Sorry. So pretty. Um. So with this episode, uh, the villains are planning to bring all the sporks together, and they use it to create some big energy cocoon that will unleash, that will explode and unleash something. But while that's happening, uh, while they're getting their plan together, um, a ship arrives in Pine Ridge, and it is revealed to be carrying a bunch of humanoid warriors. And these people are revealed to be Rafconians from Rafcon, who are from uh, Zato and uh, Ion's homeworld. Um, they have been pretty much on the run since Rafcon was destroyed. They ignored Zato and Ion because they didn't think that Zato and Ion could have actually survived. And... Um, what happens here is that the Rafconians reveal a plan where they want to colonize Earth and make it their own home because they believe that humans are selfish. But then what happens here is that um, while the Rangers and the Rafconians are all uh, kind of coming together to um, stop the void, the voids, I guess, let's just call the villains the voids of the, just for the remainder of this. Okay, Harvey. Um, yeah, I like it. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, they, they get, um, you know, they're helping the Rangers battle and some of the Rangers, uh, uh, 
some civilians that have escaped are out uh they're out um you know trying they're out trying to avoid the fight and at one point amelia's pop pop uh her grandfather although supposedly grandfather because with what happens at the end of this episode um he gets injured helping one of the leaders of the rafconians whose name uh, was she given a name because i don't remember who the leader of those rafconians um it's Orion? Orion. 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 There you go. Okay. So, um, Amelia's pop pop gets injured, and uh, she realizes that humans have good have good in their hearts, and she realizes that, um, you know, maybe they shouldn't colonize Earth. But unfortunately, what happens is that at the very end of the episode, while so. When Amelia's pop-pop gets injured, she takes off her helmet. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we see a Dino Fury Ranger without their helmet on, by the way. I believe you're right. And we're not counting the morphine sequence. No. Okay? Like, when, like, in the show with the scene with them not having their helmet on. Which, by the way, you know, we were complaining about how there's a lot of things that happened all the time back in Power Rangers. But it doesn't happen that much. Can we get more scenes with the Rangers not having their helmets on, please? Yes, we need them because that was amazing. Like, like just on a Sunday, I'm just going to say this one thing, then I'll get back to it. We need to have those scenes because you know why? Because when you see the Rangers in the suits without their helmets on, that helps aid the idea that it's actually them in the suits during the fighting scenes. And not just some Sentai footage or stunt actors. Yeah, so can we get that? It's more or less for the people who don't who don't understand the what the whole show behind the scenes is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm just like people complain about the lack of more fight scenes. I'm more disturbed that we don't get more of those scenes in Power Rangers. I, I just wanted to bring that up, and I realized that when I was watching this episode. Um. Okay, I'm sorry. You're good, man. Preach it. Um, so of course he finds out that she's a ranger, and she's a ranger, and he's on his. Uh, he's severely injured, and while she takes him back to Dino Hinge to give him uh, some medicine, Pop Pop, thinking that he's going to die, um, reveals the truth about Amelia's parents. So. Basically, uh, what happened was that uh, Pop Pop was the janitor for Area 62, which was like a sort of an underground uh, like bunker area. And there were two aliens, a man and a woman, and they had a baby girl with them. And the plant, that little area, Area 62, was about to explode. And while everyone was evacuating, those two aliens who were being held hostage in that area, they asked Pop Pop to take care of Amelia, um, well, the baby that was Amelia. And as the episode ends, uh, Amelia, while seeing the memory, sees the memory of this happening when she touches her Pop Pop and some antennas that Zeta and Ion have come out of her head. And then the episode ends like that. 
I think people so we'll know where, 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 where this leads up to, so no. It's... I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. Like, what could this mean? <laughs> Clearly, Amelia somehow was infected by Zato and Ion and has turned into Rafconian. And clearly, Zato and Ion, anytime they come in contact with a human, they pass the Rafconian gene and make them turn into Rafcons because their ultimate plan clearly is to infect all of humanity and turn them into Rafconians and name Earth Neo-Rafcon because they lost their home because Lord Zed blew it up. Crazy though, someone actually out there might be thinking that exact line that you just said. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't begin to tell you who that was. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't me. I'm, I'm just messing with y'all. So, on the next episode, um, of course, now that Amelia knows the truth about uh about her parents. Well, she doesn't know who her parents are, but she at least knows that they're from Rafcon. Um, while the other rangers are out trying to uh, stop the uh, to stop the voids from using their uh, uh, from trying to uh, hatch that big cocoon, Amelia travels to Area 62, which, for the record, is also has also been the base of the voids this whole series. Uh, she travels there in an attempt to find a safe that might have some information regarding her parents that her pop-pop told her about. Um, when she arrives, Void King shows up, and he destroys her morpher, but thankfully the other rangers show up because her pop-pop was able to tell her where they are. And while they're battling against... Um, by the way, the rangers... What was that? It was slack. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, I'm sorry about that. It was Slyther. Um, The Rangers defeat Wreckmaid in this episode. I'm pretty sure the other five Rangers destroy Wreckmaid while in the midst of this. Um, And then when when they're battling against Void King, Amelia accidentally makes contact with him, and we find out that Amelia's parents are both from Rapcon, and they are Tarek and Santura. And for those of you who haven't kept up with the names, they are Void King and Void Queen. I didn't see well, that coming, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to give... But... I just wish it wasn't that obvious, you know? So, I, I fall into the category of people... And I'm going to do a quick mini rant here because, Nathan, I really envy you right now. So, this story point was spoiled to me by Twitter and by YouTube. So, I saw Amelia with the antenna, like a photo on Twitter, and I got so pissed. Oh, Lord. And then I decided, okay, I've been spoiled. They're not going to spoil anything else. So I'm just like scrolling through and I see the random words of Void King and Void Queen or Amelia's parents. So I'm like, uh-uh, we're done with Twitter. I log up my Twitter on my phone. I delete the app and I don't touch Twitter for a week after. 
Now, see, I didn't know. I didn't actually know that on Twitter. I thought the the only thing I knew about was the antenna. That was it. And then I saw the suit uh, that we'll see later. Yes, me too. That also aggravated me. So, if you're listening to this and you're one of the people that go out there and spoil the international airing before it goes to like America and goes through like the appropriate channels that the creators want us to watch it through, and you know, that's the only way we can watch it legally without doing really, really shady stuff, then you are quite possibly the worst of people because just because y'all have seen it doesn't mean you have to immediately go spoil it. I mean, look, Star Wars has a moratorium that we don't spoil Star Wars movie details for like two weeks. Marvel has a thing that does a thing. Power Ranger fans, get in gear. Let's do this. Come on. The reference. You like my reference there, huh? They kind of talk more about the actual uh, the revelation. Uh, I think this whole thing with Amelia and her revelation just it happens way too fast for its own good, like. Okay, to be fair, the the first episode that we covered on here does kind of give us a little bit, it does kind of give it a little bit of context, because, oh, Amelia wished that she could see her parents, and then she saw Void King and Void Queen in that episode. Okay, fair enough, but can't we get, like, some other hints, like, like, I was saying this, like, she, she saw Tarek unmorphed once or twice when he was still Void Knight. And I, and I know she was a baby, like Anthony told me this. Yes, she was a baby, but can't you, like, hint at some stuff? Like, maybe have there be, like, I don't know, like, I really hate to cite Mystic Force because I don't think it's the best example, but, like, with Nick and Korag... There was always some kind of connection between them, even in the early episodes, before we got the revelation that Korag is actually Liam Bo, Nick's father. Yeah, so, and they, and they did have like a like a back and forth. It was always a constant struggle between those two. And you, every time you see them fight, you'd be like, okay, like they they got a little rivalry thing going on, which which helped initially helped the the escalation to when they find out, oh snap, that's his dad, you know. And even, like, with, I don't know what a better example would be. I mean, I guess you could say Andros and Astronomer. Now, to be fair, with Andros and Astronomer, it was a little bit more obvious because we saw Corona in flashbacks, and she looked, and she dressed up kind of similar to how Astronomer had been the whole series. Um, but... There's no connection made between Amelia and Tarek. If anything, they kind of try to imply that there's a rivalry between Tarek and Zeta. So, well, okay, so there should be a rivalry between Zeta and Tarek. You're right. Like that's the right of the red to have the rivalry with the, you know, basically the big bad of season 1 or whatever. Um Personally, I didn't mind them not doing this. I don't fall in your camp on this, Nate. But I definitely see where you're coming from on this. 
To me, I think part of it is it's been so ingrained into writers' minds for 30 years that the only character that can have this kind of complex storyline is the Red, with the exception of RPM Black. No one else really has complex stories like this in their backstory. You know, it's just like very generic things that you can kind of relate to, but you don't really get a lot of detail on, you know? But in this case, Amelia takes a really big role in Dino Fury and quite arguably sees the main character, but the Power Ranger Bible that they have to abide by has the Red Ranger kind of written to be the sowboat of the season. So I think the writers have to try and balance trying something new and giving Amelia enough story to make her a major critical part of everything while honoring the Ranger Bible that tells them, hey, the Red has to have this rivalry, the Red has to have this. Uh, we don't normally do this. It's not part of our style guide for the franchise, so whatever. And by the way, for those back home, the Ranger Bible is a real thing that they follow in the uh, franchise development process. Like, this is something Nickelodeon had. This is something that Saban had. I don't know if Disney had it, but definitely Hasbro has it now. Hey, I follow it quite a bit when I write my own series. So Yeah, so I mean, you know, this is like... I, I think that's a struggle. It doesn't excuse it. Like, you're right. This should have been done. But I think they just struggled a little bit here because of the constraints from the Bible and also just keeping with the traditions that we've followed for years. Um, now, I do want to say this. That what I'm saying, that doesn't mean I hate this twist because I don't. And the reason why I don't is because, first of all, it does work. And second of all, it gives perfect context to what Centura's motivation has been this whole series. It's beautiful. It's such a great ending. Like, yeah, if we didn't know Cosmic Fury was coming, um, this would have been picture perfect ending for this team. Yeah. And for those of you who, uh, I forgot to mention this, this basically reveals Santura, uh, Void Queen's uh, motivation. Um, so Area 62 blew up, and Tarek and Santura were convinced that no human could have survived. So they assumed that Amelia had died. So they pretty much, um, Santoro was driven insane and she wants to have revenge on humans because she blames them for the death of her daughter. And yeah. that, that's perfect. Like, you don't even need to give me any more explanation for that. That's fine. Um, but to continue real quick, just so we can wrap up the synopsis, um, in the next episode, uh, okay, so. First of all, when Void King found out that Amelia was his daughter, he gets turned back to his human form again because he realizes that Amelia is that Amelia is actually really his daughter, which causes him to lose all the hate and anger that he has toward humans, which makes him human again. 
that then leads rock on in. I'm sorry, you, Nate. Um, this did happen in the episode where uh, Izzy and Javi they were both on the brainwashing, brainwashing just like how uh, Tark was, but the difference was they were they were still in their human forms. I guess yeah. when they got shot by that laser, I think they just, they just avoided becoming monsters and just turned them evil. I guess. And um, I know when they was like having a little karaoke thing with their parents, they were like, "Wow, like you know, they look so happy," and they were like, you know, just I guess getting rid of all the hatred in their in their bodies and it just kind of evaporated and the spell was broken. I guess. Yep. And also something else to add here, based on what Anthony just said. Nate, have you considered a potentially why Amelia couldn't make a connection with Void Knight like Tyrek is because he was under the influence of really dark magic and that kind of fogged up his ability to do anything Rockconian, like feel the feelings of another person nearby with his antlers or whatever? Well, yeah, but I mean... Korag was under the influence of dark magic and he still somehow had a connection with Nick. I mean, yeah, I get it. I'm just throwing out different ideas for, for why the connection didn't happen the way you're hoping it did. And I, I kind of, well, I, I don't even want to go on a little, like a little mini, mini rant here, but you mean tell me this whole time Tarek never, like, explained to them, like, yeah, like, what his alien race was? Oh, yeah, I'm a Rafconian too. Like, it is just kind of just weird that it just came out out the blue like this. Like we, they could have, they could have been revealed that what he was. Not to say it wouldn't have made a difference because he, you know, we would have known if he was Millie's daughter or not. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that they could have at least shown us like if he really was an alien. Like I mean, yeah, they they told us yeah he's not from from Earth. I understand that. I think that they show that when he was talking to Santora. But it's just weird that they never specified what a kind of alien he was because we could have assumed that he could have just been like a human or alien kind of like how Andrews was from in space and that could be like okay that's cool like we gotta explain it explain that but now it's kind of like could have revealed what you were beforehand but that's just me yeah I mean I get it I do but also what motivation did he have when he was Tarek to to tell anyone he was Rafconian. What did he mean? Actually, let me ask you the question: Did Zato or even uh, Ion even even tell him? Even did they, he even know they were Rafconians too? Or I don't no? know. I don't know if he did. I don't think so. Like I'd have to go back and rewatch all of season one again and part of season two. But, but that I don't ex- think it was ever mentioned. Yeah, but also that actually would explain how he got the Dynamite um, Morpher. I, re- I realized he had, he, I realized just now that that's the reason he had it was because he was he's Raconian. That makes perfect sense now. Well, there's a lot of questions I've been reading about why was the, why were these items that belonged to the rangers in a random crate in Area 62. Um, like, there's a couple of different solutions to why, but I think the most popular and the most logical one that I've seen so far 
is Tarek, his, his lineage, if you go back in his family far enough, might have had a connection to the Knights of uh, Rafgon. And that's the family heirloom that got passed down. Ability. What was that? Yeah. That's a possibility. Yeah, so I, I think that's, that's the most logical explanation, but I doubt that's the reason they're going to tell us later, if they ever do. And then it doesn't really matter now because the Dino Knight, the Dino Knight Warfare is destroyed, so... Yeah. yeah. But they kind of uh, move on to the final episode so that we can give an overall analysis. Um, so in the final episode, uh, the cocoon finally hatches. It unleashes this powerful, uh, like, really giant sporic beast that um, Void Queen is kind of a... I don't want to say piloting, but she's basically, like, standing inside of it, so she's kind of manipulating it. It's a can't change your mind. Do what? It's a Megazord. Yeah. Uh, the Rangers try to fight it off uh, with their Zords, which of course doesn't work, and they... This is basically like the big bad thing where nothing can defeat it, and the only thing that Zato considers using is the Dino Master Saber, which they were given from the Morphin Masters in the, uh, during that Lord Zed saga. Um, it was said that the Dino Master Saber, if it uses the ultimate attack, would kill whoever uses it. Um, the Zords, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, most of the episode, uh, the Rangers, uh, they rush to fight off the monster. It defeats her Zord. It, she defeats their Zords. Amelia tries to get through to Centura by confronting her directly and saying that she's her, she's her mother, but she doesn't listen. And then in the end, uh, Zato uses the Dino Master Saber for this final attack, which uh, I'm... So we do know that it kills Zato, as we find out. I'm guessing that it destroys the Dino Fury Zords. Um, they're gone. I don't okay. think... I don't know if they're gone. They might be. Well, this is the season finale, a point where Zords get destroyed in the series, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I remember the last time it happened. When, I know that when the, uh, that sword that he used to, to you know, attack Centaur's, like, giant monster form, I know that we absorbed all the Zords into it. The sword did break, I did see that. That sword, that score, the sword was kind of, like, breaking apart as it was trying to pierce through the monster. Mm-hmm. But stone, but Dino Hand still stands. I don't think does Dino Hinge actually. Do they ever specify that the, that the Zords were connected to the Dino Hinge, or they just they were just there? I okay. So the Morphing Masters earlier on were sewn to create the Dino Hand's statues. From the dinosaurs that the Rakon Knights used, like to ride in battle on. So I'm kind of left thinking that there's some kind of connection, but I don't fully understand it. 
I don't know either. But we'll find out if, you know, when the next yeah. season airs, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But they just they defeat the monster. Uh, Void Queen uh, is able to. Void Queen gets freed from the Sporix control and she returns to her human form. Uh, of course, uh, we then get a big, uh, you know, finale scene showing everything that's happened. Um, the surviving Rathconians, along with Tarek and Centura, are making a new home on Earth. They're living where Area 62 used to be. Uh, we get some references to uh, previous Power Ranger seasons. Um, they're, um, they're, Tarek and Santura are expecting another child, and they're trying to decorate the baby crib, and they have, uh, they're trying to decide colors. And uh, three of the colors that they mention, uh, Ocean Bluff, which is the name of the city for Jungle Fury, Corinth, which is the city for RPM, and Briarwood, which is the city for Mystic Force. Uh, Jane and Jaborg, who didn't really, who don't really have much to do in this, uh, in this um, saga of episodes. They don't really appear much. But uh, Jane says that she wants to expand her buzz blast to Angel Grove. I've never heard of that city, guys. Uh, maybe you what could. Uh, push my mind. I heard, uh, I heard they have empty, empty buildings that, 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 that get destroyed. <laughs> hey, I hope they have a really sick juice bar. Yeah. Uh, I could go for a smoothie right about now, man. Yeah, that hey, sounds you know, awesome. He has a gym in there, too, from what I heard. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can find this mythical thing that Legend talks about, that there's this green dragon that you can see in the early mornings in the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so the spirits have all been destroyed, but apparently Slither and Mucus have survived, and they're living as humans running a circus, because... Why not? Um, uh, Izzy is now attending school with her, uh, with, uh, Fern. Ion has opened up his own cafe where he's serving, uh, Rafconian food, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and Ollie and uh, um, Javi is kind of famous because there's one point where someone asks him to sign his guitar. So Javi's kind of building up his music career. Uh, Ollie and, um, Ollie and uh, Amelia are still together. Uh, I don't know how far into the... I can't remember how far into the future the final scene Six is. Months. Six months. Okay. But... Of course, the series does end on a cliffhanger because what happens is that the Rangers get a message from Solon where they're called back to Dino Hinge, and it's there that the Rangers are approached by Zato, who has been revived by the Morphin Masters, and Zato has been given new powers. Uh, it's they're calling him the White Dino Fury Ranger. It's it's mostly just you know Zato still has his red helmet, but uh, he has a white suit, and they added a cape. Um, and he reveals to the Rangers that Lord Zed has escaped from the imprisonment that the Morphin Masters gave him, and the Rangers have to travel into space in order to stop him. And the episode ends with the Rangers morphing and preparing to take action. 
And that's how it ends. Okay. So I'm going to address the elephant in the room first. So the ending of Dino Fury Season 2 with Zaito reappearing as the white Dino Fury Ranger and saying Lord Zed's out there. This is a very interesting thing because when they filmed this episode and this ending, they had not confirmed they would come back for a season three, nor had they confirmed any plan to bring back this cast of people. So I was kind of trolling Simon Bennett's Twitter for a little while, looking for information on what people are asking and what his answers are. And somebody asked, how do you explain the cliffhanger if you didn't know Cosmic Fury was going to be what we're expecting? And his response was, this was our way of prompting the powers that be to give us one more season with these people. But if they didn't grant us this and they wanted to move on to something else, then... This kind of leaves it open-ended to say that the Dino Fury team is still active and they're still out there doing the good work. And that's all we need to know. It still reminds me of how, uh, you know, kind of a play to, like, get them to do the next season. Um, a lot of people, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, um, RPM ends with, uh, with, like, a red light. Sh- uh, flashing in Scott's Morpher. Um, they were actually they actually intentionally did that because they were trying to because they wanted to try and convince Disney to let let the series continue for another season. Um, obviously that happened, but not on Disney's watch. But yeah, yeah, that that's kind of funny. So I thought that was pretty cool um, that we get that we didn't have this plan and. And that this open what what suits are we going to expect next season now? Now, the obvious answer is that whatever Zaito's new suit is, that's what they get. But if you ask me, that looks like an upgrade. Like it looks like a power-up mode, like how you have Super Mega Force or some kind of battle or something like that. But I'm kind of thinking that maybe they all get some kind of new suit or new power next season because I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to commit to that suit for very long. I think I saw some on Twitter that like, oh, this isn't the final final suit. They just kind of just like threw this together cuz like they were going cuz we we didn't know that it's going to it was going to end, you know, like this. Yeah. Like one thing I read was it's possible that the white signifies he's been reborn from the morphing grid. And that's why his color is no longer red. But this could be a foreshadowing of Zenkaiser suits, but I highly doubt it because those are, that would be a weird set of suits to have. Like, if you pull those suits in from like Power Ranger perspective, you literally have Mighty Morphin, you got 
um, I think Beast Morpher and you got Mystic Force representation, and I forget the last one. Who was um? Oh, it was from Wild Force. Uh, MFPR, Mystic Force, and Operation Overdrive. There you go. And 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 if you if you want to say Super Mega Force, if you want to count the last suit. Yeah. So I, I just don't think they would go with Zenkaiser suits because that would be a really weird set of powers to pull from. Like, why those suits, you know? Like, I, that's not going to happen. More than likely, we're going to get something original, but if they don't, we're probably going to get Curamazer. Because of a reference they made in episode 15 about the gems that we need somebody who understands gems better. I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah I remember that. It, it was in episode 15. They were talking about how to, you know, handle Lord Zed and the thing. And that's before the Morphing Masters come back and take him away. So. I'm a major. I like those suits. Yeah. So it, it just comes down to how much of the rumor mill we want to believe right now of is Hasbro going to commit to this really big um, reboot of the entire franchise and go with original stuff and not need Sentai anymore? Or. Do we do we believe Simon when he says Toei and Hasbro have a good good relationship with regards to Sentai and Power Rangers and they're not there's no bad blood or anything? I mean, I would like for them to, like I honestly would like for them to switch to new Sentai suits just because I, I don't know like I I would like for this to be like you know I. I want to have, you know, I want them to take advantage of this new opportunity where they have these characters coming back and, like, you know, this is a second part of their journey. And maybe they don't necessarily, you know, they get new powers or something like that. Because that was the one thing, like, the Zordon era, that era just can't be topped in Power Rangers, in my opinion. Like, sure, there's seasons out there that are on par with the quality, like Time Force, but, like, I want. I want to like have another part of the journey that's unrelated to the previous part, and that could come with new powers. I mean, I... well, what I'm, what I'm kind of expecting here, because so real quick detour into conversation, but I'm going to come back to the point. I promise. I called it like a year ago that season two would end. Would Lord Zed being brought as the big bad for season 30? I called it. Yep, that somehow it. he would come back as the big bad. That little cameo he had in season one, that was only them getting warmed up. And then I even said it in our last review, Lord Zed's not done. There's no way the Morphing Masters can contain that kind of evil. And look, he escaped. Yep. So if I'm going to believe that I have some kind of premonition on what's going to happen next, I'm going to say that the first two, three episodes will have the Dino Fury Rangers attempt to fight Lord Zed's forces using the combination of Zaito's new power and the Dino Fury power. But these new powers are not enough, or like these current powers are not enough. And so either they're given a new power or they get some kind of upgrade. 
or they have to go on a quest to find something to replace their current power source. Because either they can't use it because it's not powerful enough, or because Zed destroys it. I'm kind of leaning on Zed destroying it at this point, only because he has a history of doing this. Yep. He did it twice in Mighty Morphin, I mean, if you really look at it. So I, I think that's where we're kind of landing on is we're going to have a conflict that resolves the Dino Fury and Zyto white suit. Um, one fun comment on the Zyto reappearances white is it's almost a direct copy of when Tommy was revealed as the White Ranger, where there's this white light. Um, yep. There's a suit. You don't recognize it. You're kind of wondering who's this new ranger. The guy takes his helmet off and is revealed to be your former like leader. Like that that parallel there is too real. I love that too, yeah. Yeah, it did feel very reminiscent of that moment. Yeah, it, it it feel it felt like it, and I mean, a lot of people have been saying from the beginning, like there have been rumors. Oh, there's gonna be a white ranger that appears at the end. Remember, we even said that, like, a couple of episodes ago for something unrelated to the review that we did, um, that we'd have a white ranger appear at some point. So, I, I think there's been a lot of commentary on that coming up, and it happened, and I think that's pretty cool. Um. Other things about the finale that I found interesting. The scene where you have the Rangers doing the final attack on the, uh, on the Void monster. Um, I don't know what to call it except for that. Maybe the Nemesis thing is, the Nemesis monster is fine, but whatever. Um, I, I find it interesting that they kind of use their roll call posing in their final, like, slashes against the Hensmen while on the Void Monster trying to help Amelia do her thing. I don't know if y'all caught that accent or not. I think I, I, think I did, yeah. So, like, it's only Ollie, uh, Izzy, and um, Javi to do it. Um, because obviously Ion is a badass and he surfs down with a freaking uh, Hensman as like a surfboard. Yeah. So I think I'm ready to talk characters if you guys are. Or if you guys have anything else to add on story, I'm down. Uh, nothing to add. You, you can get started, Riz. Okay. So I know in the beginning, what? I kind of, what? Oh, I thought you, I, I thought you could hurt me. I, I said, I want, I, I have one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, go for it. Go for it. I didn't hear you. Um, I don't want to say that yet. I, I totally called it that the final monster that was in Ryu Soldier was going to appear here as the final, as the final-esque villain. But in a way, I actually said that that was going to be the, 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 the spore I I assumed it was gonna be the sporex like I guess queen or like the sporex like the the creator of the sporex or whatever 
which I was kind of wrong about that, unfortunately. But I said, hey, they might use this monster in the end, and I figured that might be like the the all-being of Sporks or whatever, which I was kind of right about it, but it was kind of wrong at the same time. Um, I'm just, you know, I was like, yes, I was, I was like right about something for once, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One question, Anthony. Does, does that scene where Zaito uses the final sword attack, where he takes the sword power, does that happen in Ryu Soldier, or is that American footage? Yeah, if it's a real soldier. Okay. Except, you know, like, nobody really dies. It's just everybody's all, you know, okay in the end. I, I was kind of curious on how to play that in real soldier, because I couldn't figure out if that was an American-made idea or that was something from Japan that it's borrowed a footage for. It, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a pretty odd twist in the end that they did for it. But I, I don't really want to... Well, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it with y'all after like the we get done with this uh, video because I don't know if y'all want to like. I doubt you want to watch Ryu Soldier, so I'm not even gonna like put y'all through that. I'll just tell you what happens. Okay. So, moving on to characters from here, I gotta say these guys were a phenomenal cast. At the end of the day, like when it began, season one, I was. I was interested in Zaito, but I didn't really see, like, I didn't see another Andros. I didn't see another Carter. I, I just saw another modern red that maybe I'll forget all about. Like, I forgot about the Ninja Steel red, or I forgot about, you know, some other reds along the way, like uh, Zayden or whatever. But Zaito really made his mark. He, he was noble. He was charismatic. He had an interesting backstory. And the backstory was actually kind of unique as far as, like, PR backstories go, I think. Uh, I don't know. What do you all think about Daito? I, I like... Go ahead, Anthony. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, I was going to say is that I like him. He, um... Yeah, it actually surprised me. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought I was going to be like, oh, great. Another, like, stoic Red Ranger that, you know, has that can't take a, that can't be, like, always going to be serious and not, you know, take, take, I can't have fun or anything. But he has his moments where he's having fun and, and being, you know, charismatic and, and having these all different emotions, you know? Yeah. I like him okay. I mean, I wouldn't mind if he was serious because I mean, our last couple of Red Rangers haven't really been uh, the best. Like, okay, Tyler was good, but I'm not a fan of Brody or whatever that whatever Ninja Seal Red's name was. Uh, and um, Devin was Devin wasn't a bad Red. Yeah, yeah I didn't really like him. That's just me. Now, from what I've seen with Devin, I mean, he's okay, but I'm not a huge fan of his. Uh, I would say that Zato is probably the better, red, the best red in the Hasbro era right now. I mean, that's not saying much, because well, I would say he's the better red in the Neo-Saban-Hasbro era combination. Well, the best red in the, if you combine the Neo-Saban era, I would say is Tyler, but... That's just me. Um, yeah. I, I think he's okay, but 
honestly, I think he kind of regressed in the second season. I really loved him in the first season, but in the second season, he doesn't have, like, everything that could be a major character moment for him is instead undermined by other character moments. Like, the episode where he had, where he's fighting against Void King and having to figure out how to use his Dido Knight armor, that episode gets undermined by the fact that it's a hobby episode where he's having to figure out how to write a new song. And even in the last episode where he makes his big uh, sacrifice, that's ultimately undermined because most of the episode is revolving around Amelia and her relationship with her parents. So he does a lot of great and awesome things. It's just that whole, all those plots constantly get overshadowed. And that's kind of a little irritating and it does kind of hurt Zeta, in my opinion. I can see that. Um, I, I, it, I don't think it detracts from what he did, though, as a red. So, he like, doesn't. Just... I mean, he's the first red. Let me, let me, let me make sure I'm, I'm not lying here, but... No, he's the first red who willingly puts himself in harm's way and ends up dead because of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a thing that Andrews... Carter West did not do. I'm not saying he's as good as those characters, but the sacrifice he made at the end is on that level of character. Um, he has a lot of things that I wish he could have been like more present in. Like, I, I think the problem here is that we're still stuck on this 20 episode thing for a season, and that really hurts us a lot. Yeah. But, no, I definitely take your point that Zeto did get a little watered down, but he wasn't watered down because it sucked. He was watered down because we had so many phenomenal characters that needed time. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I mean, I wouldn't say that that's a horrible thing, just kind of sucks a little bit, but I can tolerate it. Yeah. So, moving on to Ollie. Um, he's, he's the one member of the team that I, I don't have a lot of like great analysis to go and like say, oh, well, Ollie did this, Ollie did that. All I can really say about him is Ollie has grown up a little bit in that he's no longer an insufferable know-it-all and he's not always insulting to everyone. And he's more accepting of other people's things, even if he doesn't agree with it. Case in point being Amelia's love for the paranormal to try and explain her past. He used to mock her, but now he kind of supports it. So I like that development, but he beyond that, he hasn't really done much that I liked. Or like thought was incredible, you know? Yeah. Anthony? I definitely agree with you on that. Um, like, as far as, like, yeah, he has his moments where he tries to be, like, 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 the smart person of the group. But at the same time, he's, he's, he's just got to learn how to stop being such a, like, a know-it-all all the time. That's, like, yeah. his really only issues that, yeah, sure, he's, he's, you know, with Amelia now, and he's okay with the whole paranormal thing, and that's cool and all, but it's just that he still kind of acts like hot garbage at times. He does. 
Um, he is the one ranger that I can do without sometimes. Um, yeah, I have nothing to say about him. Uh, he's you pretty much summed up my feelings for him too. Moving on to Javi, I'm hitting all the characters of like lesser value in the season. Like they're all great characters, but I'm going through like from. I, I don't know. Anyway, moving on to Javi. Um, he has his moments of character development. Like he has episodes dedicated to him, but. I still feel like he's not, he has a lot more to offer as a character, I feel like, and he's not getting that. He's gotten better, though. Hmm? He's gotten better from what I'm noticed. He, he's gotten better, but, I mean, okay. Tell me one thing he's done that's, like, made you be like, oh, well, go Javi. Well, besides saying it to his dad, not really much anything else. I mean, that's one thing, but that's like, that's the Power Ranger lesson of the day. That's not like a character development thing where he grows as a person and he becomes something else. You know, like, even Ollie was a little bit better in that regard because he at least accepts the paranormal crap now. But Javi is still a musician. He's still a struggling artist. By the end of the thing, he has some level of recognition by a guy that I think we saw in an earlier episode during the guitar song standoff thing they did, I think in episode 11. But... Is that a random fan? I don't know. He, I think he might have been just a random fan. I think fan. he was the guy that he was competing against and he stole the song. You sure? It does look like some random random guy that like liked his songs, I guess. I don't know. I, I thought there was some recognition there, but maybe not. Maybe that is some rando guy. I have to go back and really like check into that, but... I thought that was him. But no, Javi, Javi didn't really, he didn't do much. Like, so if you look at his life, he has a fantastic relationship with Izzy. Like they are bread and butter clothes, right? But um, the only thing he struggles with was gaining his dad's acceptance. But he did that, and it hasn't really changed him. He's he's more open and able to do what he wants to do now. But I don't know. It's just I want more from him. But I don't know what I want exactly. And like, did they ever explain that? Is is okay? So is Warden Garcia? his dad and is Izzy's mom her mom and they just they just got together you know I guess like yeah step siblings like in that regard or I was think they're biologically related I could someone someone that that some Bennett said that they were they were um step siblings no that, that there's no way I would accept that as an idea I, they if they're step siblings, I would expect more sibling rivalry or sibling interpersonal problems there. I, I, I just don't think they're. They might have been, but I don't think so. Do a good job of conveying that if that's the case. Yeah. Because they had a fantastic relationship. He struggled with his dad. His mom didn't really do much with him. So it was more about the Izzy storyline. So. 
There wasn't really much to go off of her hobby, I think. Nate, Nate, what do you think? You've been kind of quiet for this one. Okay, so I'm reading this now, and they're definitely step-siblings. Oh, well, that's interesting. Do you think that, just given the relationship between him and Warden Garcia, though, I think they're that Warden Garcia is his biological dad. Okay. But do more research real quick. Uh, let's yeah, see. go for it. While we, I'm gonna move on to, from this. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what. I don't really have much to say about Javi. I really like him. I like him for more personal reasons because I like his big brother relationship with Izzy, and I think. Uh, I, I think that he's overall a really nice person. Like, yeah, you know, he wants to be famous, but it's just because he loves music. So, you yeah. know, he has, like, a real passion for that. And I think he's just overall a, a nice guy. So, I mean, I can't hate him. Like, he's... Exactly. He's a, he's a really nice guy. He's a loving brother. He's a devout son. He's a great Granger in that he's dedicated to the cause. It just ended a day... I can't help but think I want more from him, but I don't know what I want from him exactly. So Warden Garcia yeah. and Izzy and Izzy is and Izzy's mom is her is her biological mom. Okay. Okay. All right. So who's next? Okay. Next, I'm gonna head on Ion just to get out of the way and rip the bandaid off. Ion came into the season, and he really grated on my nerves. He didn't really do much. He, the, the, the better half of part one of season two, he kind of dominated the story a lot, but he didn't do anything. Like, he was a very aggravating character. But as the story progressed, he kind of toned it back a bit. And he kind of, he became a good character in a way. Like, he he went to Japan, he helped the mom, he he wasn't obnoxious, he wanted some food. And that's the thing he's been, at, like, talking a lot like in the last couple episodes is food this, food that. He's a big foodie, and he wants to explore Earth. Like, genuinely, I laughed when... He tried the right animal sound to Lord Zed and them, but instead he said uh, moo instead of something else. I forget what it was. But genuinely, I laughed at that. That was funny. It was endearing. It shows he's trying to become more accustomed to Earth. It shows he's trying to learn, and he's struggling because it's, it's a big deal. Like, you know, you wake up 65 million years later, your planet's been blown up, and... Yeah, gotta adapt to a whole new planet with a whole new animals, a whole new environment, a whole new everything. And I kind of see him doing that in the background a bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely didn't like the episode with him where he and Izzy had that rivalry going on and he wouldn't give Izzy credit. That yeah, episode. that was pretty uh, bad, but I hated that episode. But since then, he's he's been more tolerable. I feel. Yeah, it's more subtle, uh, you know, subtle character development for him. I guess you could say. 
Yeah. Anthony? I'm not going to lie to you. I did not like him. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, it's okay. That's an acceptable opinion here on Toka Secrets. Yeah. I think it, what it was was that both his character was aggravating at times, and also, I don't know what's up with his ADR, but, like, his ADR is just good. Like, I, he just sounds like he's phoning in at times. I'm just like, what is this? Like, why does he sound like he's not even, like, actually saying his lines more like he's dubbing his lines for some reason? I don't know what it is. It's so I'm, I'm not certain. I mean... I don't, know, I don't know what it was. I'm like, did he... Is he have an accent? Is he like actually saying these things, or I don't know? Like, I was just confused. Kind of an inverse problem with some of the Rangers from the Disney era, because one of the biggest problems with the Disney era was that you had New Zealand actors trying to do American accents, and most of the time it was good. But uh, there, there were often times, especially in Ninja Storm, uh, Ninja Storm, maybe Operation Overdrive were probably the worst. Um, didn't pay my mind. Uh, the story was what drew, what drew me in because, like, I like American accents would slip. With Ion's case, it sounds like he's trying to put on an accent, and yeah. it's just weird, you know? Yeah, Moza Blaster. Yeah, Moza Blaster. Yeah, You've met the guy, Nate. Um, like, does he sound like he does when he's not? Being yeah, he, yeah, he was talking exactly the same way that he he was talking like a normal person. Okay. Okay. So he had the same accent, but even in, from the TV show? Yeah, when he's not morphed. Hmm. Hmm. It, it's just weird. That is what? interesting. What? I will give you guys a positive comment on this. On the very last episode, when he thought, well, I guess we, we, I guess we can say thought because he did kind of die. I guess when Zato died, sacrificed himself to save, you know, them from that giant sports creature. That's the first time I actually seen him actually have emotion about losing someone. Like, wow, like that that blew me away. I was like, whoa, he can he can show some good emotion like that. Yeah. So, do you have anything else you want to add about him? I mean, besides yeah. that whole thing with him, like, you know, actually giving forth real solid emotion, I have not have anything else to say about him, but, you know, that, that's the one instance where I was like, if we had gotten more of that uh, Ion, I would like him more. Okay. So, I'm going to move on to the next character. And I'm, I was conflicted all the way through the last discussion on who I'd pick next, Izzy or Amelia. But, and the more I think about it, I want to save Amelia for last. Not because I think she deserves to be, you know, saved the best for last and all that, but because I have a, lot, a much more complex set of things I want to say about her versus Izzy. So I kind of figure I'll, I'll give the easier one out first and we can spend more time diving into the complexities of what I'm trying to, what I want to convey. Is that cool with y'all? Yeah. Okay. So Izzy continues to be a bona fide ass, a badass. She continues to deliver a phenomenal performance in every scene she's in. 
even when the episode's not about her, like you said last time, Nate, I remember you said it at one point, even in the episode she's not prevalent in, you can feel her energy when she's on screen. Like, for example, in the uh, love-hate episode that was revolving around uh, Amelia and Ollie getting together, you could feel Izzy's empathy and her her desire to be a part of it and to help and getting excited when they finally get together. Like, and that, that was viral. I, I felt how Izzy felt. And then, y'all, I mean, look, the girl, her relationship brought me to tears. That ain't, that ain't something that a normal PR actor normally does. I mean, it, it, like we said, it hasn't happened since Time Force. Her delivery as an actress and her character... Like, she's in the top 10 favorite characters for me right now. Period. Of PR. Like, if you take all the characters across all 29 seasons, she's in the top 10 for me. She's top 15 for me, but she's loudly making a case to be in the top 10. Yeah. I agree with that. So, I, I just gotta say, love Izzy. She's the best. I love, I love the energy she brings. I like the storylines she's like pushing with the LGBTQ plus community. I like how she doesn't put it in your face. I like how it's organic. It makes sense. It fits. It's not anything that's like, you know, how people say liberal propaganda or conservative propaganda or whatever. It's just, it's not about politics. It's just kids being kids, and this is part of life, you know. So I, yeah. I greatly enjoyed that. I don't know what else I could say about her that hasn't already been said, just with the good vibes. Um, I did get, there were times where I would roll my eyes a little bit in the last two episodes when she was doing, like, she says a lot of bad puns in the last couple of episodes. <laughs> like, when the, like, in the last episode when, uh, they're talking about, like, uh, oh, when the cocoon hatches, what's going to come out? And then Izzy's like, well, I, I'm sure it's not a bunch of a baby birds. And, like, you know, it's like, okay, like, could you, like, don't use her to say those bad puns, but, you yeah. know, it's not a big deal. You know, it's whatever. Like, it's Power Rangers. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, Mighty Morphin... You couldn't have a single episode in without a bulk and without bulk wearing a cake in some fit, shape, form, or fashion. So it's not as bad. What you want to say? Anything, Anthony? I mean, you're a Green Ranger, so why don't you give some commentary on your fellow Green? I honestly think that she is definitely one of like the MVPs of Green Rangers. I'll definitely give you that. Like if. If you're up to me and like I want like the whole squad of Green Rangers, she's definitely on the on the team, definitely. Well, okay, hold up. Up, hold up a sec here, yeah. Anthony. What mm -hmm. Green do you rate higher than Izzy? What Green do I rate higher than Izzy? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not. See, there aren't aren't even that many that Green just. Oh, Xander, of course. There you go. See, bam, Xander. I mean. You'd have to say Xander for me to believe you. Yeah. I would put Joel ahead of her. No. 
I wouldn't. Joel has a character arc, and it and it works naturally. Like he undergoes a lot of development. Like in the very first episode, he's uh, a hotshot guy, loves to be the center of attention, and then you know, and he's clearly trying to hit on Miss Fairweather because he thinks that she's hot and everything. But then. Like, in later episodes, he becomes genuinely concerned about her, and then we get some episodes where he is less, has less of a drive to be, um, you know, the center of attention. He's basically not wearing his cowboy hat in the last couple of episodes. So, like, I think Joel has an actual character arc. That's why I would put Joel ahead. I think Izzy has a character arc as well that's similar to that with Fern. The issue is that we're rating a season of characters against the top rangers across all the franchise before they're done. Well, Joel was always my favorite Green Ranger, so... Yeah. Another alternative to Xander would have been Ziggy. Definitely Ziggy. Ziggy had good vibe. I mean, I would also say Cam from Ninja Storm, but I, I don't like to use Green Sixth Rangers because that's an unfair advantage. Well, okay, so Cam is a badass. He was a great ranger. But I didn't find his personal story as interesting as I found Izzy's. Well, that's fair enough. Like... If I was going to rate them on Ranger Power and Ranger Prowess, Cam is hands down best green. But if I'm going by best green character, like, and just going by story, I would probably go Xander, Izzy, Zol, Ziggy. Bridge. That's fair. I would put trip I would put trip ahead of bridge but I think I, would, I, I that I'm not sure about I, That's kind I, of, like, I would call that kind of weak honestly I would put bridge ahead of trip Okay Yeah I think I would too Don't get me wrong trip is a great character but I felt like bridge is much more buttery Okay, that was a bad Okay. Um, Any other thoughts on our favorite Lady Green before I move on to my complex analysis? Nope. I honestly think that if any other... I'm I'm guessing that, that, that whoever does the... I guess future Power Rangers stuff for Netflix. I'm not. Cause I, know, cause I know they said they're going to do like I guess the more, uh, more mature version of Power Rangers, separate from the main main story stuff. They needed they do this formula where they actually like when they do relationships, do it like how they did with it with uh, Izzy and Fern. Like that was a really good way of like getting characters together and like you know dating in a Power Ranger show. That's how you do it. Yeah. I mean, they did it okay with Tommy and Kimberly in season two, I think, but that's probably the only other time I've seen like an ongoing relationship in Power Rangers actually 
be shown in a natural way. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tommy and Kimberly were genuinely developed as a couple, but okay, that's another conversation for another time. Yeah. Let's continue. Let's continue. I have thoughts that I want to give you after this episode now. Um, yeah. Amelia. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off at the gate by saying, if I had the chance to be Simon and the creative producers behind Dino Fury. I would have given Amelia red over pink. With that said, C is one of the best pinks. Not the best pink, mind you, but one of the best pinks to come out of the franchise. A lot of people have been calling her like a new age Kimberly, which I I don't think is quite the relation I would make. I kind of akin her more to uh, like a lesser version of Zen, in my opinion. Because Zen is still the queen of the pinks, in my opinion. But Amelia just has this endearing personality. She's full of life. She's infectiously amazing as a human being in the, in the series. And she has a really tragic backstory. Um... The entire series up until now can basically be viewed as Power Rangers, the tale of Amelia. If you really think about how it ended and who her parents are and who the big bads have been this season and last season, aside from Zed, because Zed's just kind of there to be poised for season 30. That's all he was in there for. But Amelia was a really complex character in that regard in that she had her paranormal thing, she had her quest for her parents, but besides that, she also was really present and helpful and part of the thing. She also dated Ollie. Like, she had a lot of things going on for her character development. And while I say all these positive things, there's one or two things that still bug me about her. Minor, really minor things, but it just struck me weird how quickly she went from, oh, I don't, oh, these are my sworn enemies, Void Knight, Void Queen, whatever. Like, these are the people I'm sworn to fight, and I must defeat them because they're going to, you know, destroy the world if we give them a chance. And the minute she figures out it's her parents, it's not even like a a question. It's not like she can even like stop and be like, wait, these are my parents? Really? 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 Instead, she just turns the switch and she's like, oh my god, I love you. There's no processing. It was such an abrupt transition to me that I couldn't understand why they did it that way. Like, I would have much preferred if they had gone with the reveal maybe one episode earlier, maybe even at like a, you know, like a cliffhanger to the next episode and let Amelia kind of grapple with understanding that her parents were the ones that led her to become a ranger and have been responsible for all the things she's endured the past year and a half as a ranger. I mean... 
you gotta you gotta think about that for a second. Everything that's happened in Dino Fury is because they lost Amelia. But like she doesn't even for one second feel anything but oh my god I love y'all you know like that's kind of weird to me yeah um I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing I'm I'm still I just watched the episode like this morning so I'm still kind of processing that but I I definitely wanted to call attention to this and see what y'all thought. Nate, I would say that she's my she's my third favorite pink. Uh, the the top two are Jin uh, and Corona. Um, Agreed. That's my top three as well. Yeah, she. Well, but, but, but I'll give her credit for this, you know, before she came along, honestly, with Pink Rangers, for me, it's Jin, Carone, and everyone else. Like, no, no one else, I think, was ever able really to be, like, Jin and Carone are in a league of their own, and everyone else just can't compete. I do put Amelia in the league of Jin and Carone. Um. Yeah. You know, uh. Especially with that final story. Um, you know, I think that she has... Like, even if you take out the final piece of her backstory, she always had, like... I really loved her, you know, more of her, like, wide-eyed and curious nature. And, you know, her having this obsession with, uh, with um, you know, uh, ghosts and paranormal stuff. I always found that to be fascinating. Uh, and, like I said, I had issues with how her story was revealed, but I'm not going to pretend like I didn't like the final revelation. I, I think it was working. And, and to be fair, they obviously do build up that there is something you know, weird or like strange about Amelia with, you know, the mystery surrounding her parents. So I think if this was handed to I think that if this was done in a different era like, you know, where they weren't so, like, you know, where they were being bogged down by, like, all the Nickelodeon era stuff. And, like, like if we were doing something, then, like, maybe if this season was coming out with, like, the writing quality of, like, the Disney era or the Saban era, I think the revelation would have been handled a little bit better. Yeah. But, but it still works fine. Like, I, I don't hate that revelation. I have issues with it, but when all said and done, like, and, you know, when I'm laying down to go to sleep, I'll still be happy with that ending. You know what Agreed. I mean? Agree. And that's why, that's why I'm not upset with her instant switch from these are my enemies to, oh my god, I love them. They, these are my parents. Like, it fits her character, you know, to say that she loves them because she spent all her life looking for them. And to finally find them, I mean, that has to be a big relief to her, right? Like, no matter who they are. They could have been Lord Zed and Rita for all we care, and she still... She might still have some loyalty there, because she's been after them for so long that it's ingrained her mind now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was, that was part of it. The other thing I wanted to mention 
Did anyone else get like a Darth Vader Luke vibe from that scene? I did. Maybe a little bit. I see what you're saying. I can agree with that. <laughs> I got it complete. Like, because, you know, think about the Star Wars. Uh, Luke was hanging from something, and Vader tells him, I'm your father. And in this case, Amelia's hanging from something, and she's telling uh, Void Queen, I'm your daughter. Like, the parallel there is really funny to me. Yeah. Um, but overall, I gotta say, it's, it's a rare thing for us as a group to be even able to, to say some of these characters are breaking the barrier into the top five or the top three or the top ten or whatever, depending well, on what brand you're talking about. Curiosity, though, where would we... So, I think we've established that Izzy and Amelia would rank in our top ten with their colors. We can, have, we can just do this discussion really briefly. Like, where would we put Zato, Ollie? Like, where, where would we put the guys in their respective places? Like, just say that briefly. Because if I, we're going to do that for the girls, then we should do it for, like, all just for some perspective. Zaito would fall in my top 15 easily. Three. But he wouldn't be my top 10 just yet. Yeah. Ollie, Ollie's not someone I can rank. I, I have a lot of conflicting thoughts on him, so I can't rank him fairly and say, oh, clearly Ollie's in my top ten or my top five, because he, he's a good character. He's a great boyfriend. He's a good blue. But he's no Sky. He's not Billy. He's not Ethan. Yeah. I like, more than, I like him more than Kevin. <laughs> okay, that's not hard to do, bud. Uh, Javi, if we're going by Blacks, let's see, we're going up against Zach, Carlos, Black Adam, Bison, Adam uh, some idiot from Overdrive that I want to talk about. Chase. And uh, Dylan and Jake. Okay, if these are the characters I have to put him against, he's in top five. Uh, uh, with Black Rangers, for me, it's uh, like my favorite Black Ranger is Dylan. Um, yeah. Same. After that, it would be Tommy. Um, would I put Javi? And again, with Black Rangers, I guess you could technically say it's Dylan and Tommy and then everyone else. Um, would I put Javi in that league? Uh, probably not. Uh, I don't think he's good enough to compare to them. And for the record, when it uh, comes to Blue Rangers, uh, when it comes to Red Rangers, uh, I don't think I could put Zato in the top. And uh, Ollie is nowhere near the top. I think for Blue Rangers, I would say for me, it's, uh, it's um, Sky... Billy, Theo, although Theo is trailing a little bit behind, and then everyone else, I can... Ollie does not compare to any of those guys. So, so going back to Blacks real quick, and we're going to have to do a bit, another podcast on this later, but I, I think I definitely agree with uh, Dylan as the best Black. 
I don't agree with you about Tommy being the second best. I, I, he was a good black. Don't get me wrong, but he has a very unfair advantage with his legacy. I guess. Um, if I had to give you a second best black, I I would offer you Adam for consideration here. Yeah, but I think Adam gets better when he's wearing green. Like Adam is weird for me because like. I would put Adam as a great Black Ranger, but he also wears green throughout the series, so it's kind of weird for me to rank him like that. Well, so, I, I would put Adam in the top. Actually, yeah, I'll put Adam in that league. Well, okay, so the way I look at it is Adam was green, is green, because he has zero power still. Those are never taken away from him. But in the reunions, he has presented as Black both times. Yeah. Uh, so I identify him more black than I do green because of that. And I would probably put Carlos in the top two because... Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Because I think... I don't like Carlos much when he's the green Turbo Ranger, but he grows a lot as the Black Ranger, so... Yeah. Yeah. But, I, but if, you, if you go, like... Okay, let's say we have Dylan, Carlos, Adam... Actually, Adam, Carlos, whatever. Doesn't matter. Those are the top three, right? But... After that, I would say probably Tommy, and then after that, I mean, I'm struggling at that point to say anything beyond Javi. Yeah, um, like, because your other options after that are, um, you got Will, he sucks. Um, definitely. And then you got Jake. I mean, he's better than Will, but he's not great. Oh, and... Maybe you maybe you could put Zach after Javi. I mean, I, I know people like to like Zach because he was the OG and I mean he was fun, but I mean He didn't he was he's fun, not around he enough. Deliver. Yeah. And we and we should do we count Corcus, the black alien ranger? No. And then and then there was some dude uh, from Law Force. I can't remember what his name was. Um Yeah, Black Python doesn't count. Somehow never giving up, but I don't know who exactly plays the guy. Yeah. Um, the other potential contender that we could have here that I don't know enough about would be Vesper. Vesper, what do you mean? Vesper from Hyperforce. Oh, yeah. Um, I watched like three episodes of it. She's pretty cool. I like her character. But I don't know her enough to know if I like her to call her top material. I'm actually kind of hoping that, like, I'm not saying that this may happen or will happen. I just kind of say if this were to happen, I would love that they just would just go ahead and just make a Hyperforce like uh, animated show. That way we can actually just get the get the people who play as them to do their voices, and then we could just show do like a series of just them, you know, going through time and, and saving the world and stuff. I I would. I'm going to take a moment here from their podcast and say Hyperforce is a really fun show. I, I watched some of it when I broke my arm last month. And the only reason I haven't continued to like it or I got a lost interest, but because you need a large block of time for each episode. You need like three hours per episode to watch it. Yeah. And you have to be able to understand 
the tabletop aspect of it as well to really follow. But all that aside, yeah, I mean, at least three of the six characters are breaking into the top tens or top fives or whatever. What about Ion? That he's the last guy we got to talk about. Um, I I said what I said. <laughs> no, we're just ranking them among sixth rangers. Like, uh, okay, I, I guess... so sixth rangers. Let's go. The top would be Eric from the Quantum Ranger, yep. followed by like Cam, followed by Brent. Who? White Dino. No, I'll. I... Let me think about that. I actually like that. Okay, we'll go with that. Followed by... Lion? Titanium? Titanium, Zane. Yeah, those are all, like, top five. Okay. To me, at least. I don't know what your ranking is, but I I consider Zane a really good character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'm not going to object to that. Um, where does Ion fall in this, though, is my question, and the answer is somewhere above Antonio, yeah, and somewhere below, like, somewhere below, like, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of, like, a ranger that was, uh, level. Merrick? No, I don't like Merrick. Merrick is way below all of them. Okay. Uh, no, no. I don't like Daggeron. Daggeron's not really. Uh, I love that Solaris Knight suit, but I hate Daggeron's character. Like, and by the way, John Tui, if you're watching this, which I know you're probably not, but I don't hate you, John Tui. You're a great actor, and you seem like a good person. The writers just did not do you justice in that show. So I'm not, I mean, do, no disrespect to you. I would say he falls below uh, Ivan. Yeah. What about, uh, is he better than the Boom Twins? We did a video on the Throat Talk Sentai Bidzi Ranger. And the Boom Twins made the list for top 10 worst Rangers in Ranger history for me and Frankie. I, I, think I was there for that, too. I think I, I think I was there for that as well. No, you weren't. It was just me and Frankie. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but me and Frankie sat down, we ranked the top 10 worst Rangers, and the Boom Twins were in it. Was Tyson in it? Yes. Okay. All of the Operation Overdrive Rangers were in it, plus... Um, crap. Uh, but we can say that he's better than a. What's the Black Wall Force guy's name? He made that list, and somebody else made the list. I forget who. Was it Dan? Was it was it uh Max? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they all made that list uh, along with the Boom Twins. And okay. the Omega Ranger, because the Omega Ranger was just so weak. Exactly. I actually like the twins now, because, like, they they gave personality, at least. They were at least, you know, yeah, sure, they were annoying, yeah. 
But I would, but taking Ion's annoyance over the Boom Twins annoyance, I would take the Boom Twins any day. I'm sorry, that's just me. So, I was doing some Power Ranger research uh, last week, watching YouTube clips of like various type of things for a future video I'm planning, and I watched a little bit of RPM clips, um, specifically centered around the alphabet soup thing with Professor K. And I gotta say, I didn't, I, I didn't mind the Boom Twins as much in the video clips I watched as I did when I watched the first time. I, I, I've always had a weird thing with the Boom Twins where I acknowledge that they're not great characters, but I defend them because, as annoying as they are, there's at least an explanation for why they're annoying. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, there's that. Well, we say that, but Anthony, you were saying that you think Ion is worse than the Boom Twins? Yes. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm trying to. I don't mind that y'all disagree. I don't mind that. But I think for me, is that. There was a reason as to why, like I said, Doctor, like the reason why they were they were the where they were the way they were, and then you also have the they're they're also the reason why Doctor K is better developed because they're back in the, in her life. Yeah, I think only the only gripe with them is that we never see how they survived after the alphabet soup thing destroyed. It was destroyed, and they. Like, what were they doing all this whole time? You know, like, I was like, where, what were they doing? Like, like how did they survive so long? I can't answer that question because, honestly, I've forgotten so much of RPM in the time that it's, so I watched it. So, I know after, after they, they, I guess, escaped Outfit Soup, they had their powers with them prior to when they left. But we just don't, they just, there was no, like... There was no explanation of how, how, what they were doing prior, like, the year they were gone... When Dr. K thought that, oh my god, like my my two only friends are dead. Hmm. Yeah. The world may never know. It's also one of those things that like RPM, like it they they gave us a good story, but they didn't but there were two at least two things, two storylines that they, they completely missed. The stuff with Dylan and his backstory. And the Boom Twins backstory, how they survived this whole time. I would say, uh, but they kind of go back to what the original discussion was being made. Uh, I would say that I think Ion is kind of below the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate him as much as I used to just after these last couple of episodes. I would say that he's better than Tizon. Because Tizon, in my opinion, is the worst sixth ranger. But, uh. Yeah. There's not many other people I can think that I prefer. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would prefer him compared to Merrick. Um. That's debatable. Um. But he's below Antonio, at least. And I haven't, I haven't seen enough of Ninja Steel to give a. 
decent opinion on Levi or whatever the gold guy's name is. Um, Levi is just so bland that it doesn't even matter. Okay. I mean, Ion, Ion's, I mean, he's not bad, but he's, he's better than what I thought he was originally, but still not a big fan. Yeah. And mind you, both me and Nate both met Levi, and, and Nate only met Ion's, Ion's actor. So honestly, we, we probably have different, different opinions when it comes to those characters. I still don't like Levi, even though I, I absolutely adored meeting his actor, by the way. That's, there's, no, there was, there's no question about that. It just maybe the story probably just could just done a bit better, in my personal opinion. So one little tidbit I just kind of found out uh, going back to like the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Bennett has a tweet out there saying he they talked about delving more into the background of Area 61 and talking about what they're doing out there and what the base is for. And he said they originally had named it Area 51, but legally they had to change it, obviously. Um, but they had discussed at some point in some of their early writing that they would want to have had old ranger tech being found in area uh, 62, um, like remnants of ancient battles being studied, which is why Tarek found a saber in the morpher. That would be awesome if they could go more into that. Yeah, so I mean... I have I have things that we'll talk about in a later podcast, but this is a really good bit of information for me to have. Yeah. So just want to throw that out there to y'all and to the viewership as well. But um, I am pretty satisfied with my analysis I gave on Dino Fury. I don't have much else I want to say right now. Um, so I'll hand it back over to y'all. I have nothing else to say. I I enjoyed Dino Fury uh, season season. Uh, uh, just the just the whole thing. Uh, the only thing I'll add is that uh, where would I add, put Dino Fury in my personal tiers of Power Rangers? Uh, for those of you who uh, don't know, I I have um, I have a little bit of a tier system I do with Power Ranger seasons. Um, I. Uh, so I have the Holy Trinity. I have Time Force, SPD, and um, In Space. Uh, then I have like the runner-ups, where I put uh, the the ones that are that are good but not quite good enough to be among the Holy Trinity. Uh, I would probably put a uh, Dino Fury, Lightspeed Rescue, and Jungle Fury in there. I put mm-hmm. Dino Fury in the very next tier, um, and the seasons that I put in there. Uh, I would um, Mighty Morphin, uh, Mighty Morphin as a whole, um, uh, Galaxy. Uh, these are just some of the seasons. I don't want to name them all because I don't want to make this longer than it already is. Uh, uh, Lost Galaxy, Ninja Storm, RPM. Uh, the, the this is where I put Dino Fury, where it's a season where not everything that the season does hits a bullseye, like. 
there are issues with it, but the writers clearly give a damn about what they're doing, and they want to give me something good, and they're putting effort into it, and therefore, and given how there are some seasons like Ninja Steel and Megaforce and Operation Overdrive that don't have that, I, I appreciate that, and that's why I give it, a, I put it into my Tier 3. And that, that's, that's where Dino Fury ranks for me. So you're saying in your third tier or your second tier for Dino my Fury? Third, my third tier. Okay. But, but, it's, but it, that's like a B tier for me, so it's not bad. I, I, I'll, I'll happily watch it again. Um, it's just, you know, not every effort hits a bullseye in this season. Yeah, and sure. that's fine. Anthony, where about you? I still don't think it, it's as good as the top three. Well, top three um, that Nate just mentioned, but it. I would say it's, it's at least a B tier for me. So I have the same top three for the Holy Trinity, and if I were to extend that Holy Trinity like into a top five list. I might consider Dino Fury for the fifth position there. Um, or Dino Thunder. Oh, okay. I have a personal bias towards Dino Thunder. I prefer. I probably prefer Jungle Fury over this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I like Jungle Fury. That's the B tier for me, definitely. But Dino Fury is. I mean, Dino Thunder. Just hit different for me at my at that point in time in my life. Um, yeah, I, I would I would put this ahead. I would put uh, I would put besides of my Holy Trinity. I just said what my Holy Trinity was. I would put um, Dino Thunder, RPM, Jungle Fury, and Lightspeed Rescue ahead of this. Now I know that. Some people might say that they like this more of a Lightspeed Rescue. Lightspeed Rescue is to me what Dino Thunder Vista is. I got a little bit of a soft spot for that since I grew up with that show. I was literally like the perfect age to watch Power Rangers when that show came out. So, so Dino Thunder, for me, the reason I even like it that much is because um, after Lost Galaxy, as a kid, I kind of fell off from watching PR. Um, I didn't watch... Lost uh, Lightspeed Rescue. I didn't watch Time Force. I didn't watch Wall Force or Ninja uh, Storm growing up. I skipped that in favor of other like anime and stuff. But I came back randomly. Like there wasn't any like I didn't know Tommy was back. I didn't know the story. I just so happened to catch episode one of Dino Thunder for the and the first airing of it on Disney. And I was interested, and I started watching again. And that led me to come back into the fandom after that brief hiatus I took. So I, I kind of regard Dino Thunder in a different way than y'all would probably. I kind of have a little bit of a similar thing with Dino Thunder, so I can agree with that. Uh, but what would you put ahead of this season, Anthony? Anthony? I'm trying to think. Hold on. You hear me? 
Yeah, yeah, we're good now. Okay. Um, huh. That's a tough one because I'm because like. Well, I will say this: I will put this ahead of Beast Morphers because I because I, Beast Morphers was okay. I just it just could have been bought better for me, honestly. Especially the ending because like the ending just really just. Irritated me so much when it came to Steel and then Devin. I'm just like, ah, like, what are you doing? That's why Beast Morphers hit a C tier for me. Yeah. I still need to um, watch Beast Morphers all the way through to get an opinion on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I think we have the rankings for this season. Uh, anything else you guys want to add? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, just a bit of a thing uh, for the people back home. Uh, we will, uh, the minute that uh, Cosmic Fury hits, you can bet uh, pretty well that we will be on it immediately. So don't worry. Um, you won't have to worry about getting our opinion on that, uh, you know, anytime late. Uh, our next video, we will finally be returning to Shin Kenger. Uh, mm -hmm you know, our journey of a samurai. And we've already uh, talked about uh, what our plans are for the podcast after that. Um, so we hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, little Power Ranger detour that we've had. We hope that you guys enjoyed Dino Fury as much as we have. Please leave a comment down below with any opinions you might have on Dino Fury, if you so choose. Um, other than that, uh, we hope you guys uh, have enjoyed. Uh, Please like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not already subscribed. We appreciate everyone who checks us out on Spotify and iTunes. Be sure to look at uh, look up AnimeSecrets.org and check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all of our other social media pages. Once again, we thank you guys so much for joining, and we will see you guys next time when we return to Shinkinger. But until then, see you guys, and may the power protect you. <laughs>